Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Reverend Adrian L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, the show where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you're going through right now. And today, my friends, today's episode is entitled, Take Up Your Cross. Take Up Your Cross. And we're going to be discussing a topic that many people tend to get confused and which many people tend to misinterpret and misrepresent the way I almost misrepresented that word just now. Of course, we're talking about the Christian cross, specifically the cross that Jesus was crucified on and died on, but which today, by contrast, people look at and regard in a completely different, sometimes even distorted light. See, just about any time you see a Christian church, you see a cross somewhere on it or on its steeple. You see crosses hanging in people's houses. And more particularly, you see crosses hanging around people's necks. But in truth, so many people have no idea what that cross truly represents, especially when it comes to the history of the Christian cross. And there is also great debate today about whether or not it's even appropriate and possibly even a sin to wear crosses or crucifixes in the form of jewelry. And by definition, The cross is the instrument upon which execution by crucifixion took place. And crucifixion itself was a form of torture and execution in the ancient world that involved fastening a person to a wooden post or a tree using ropes or nails. And thus, a crucifix is a representation of a cross with a figure of Jesus Christ on it, depicted in a fashion that displays his crucifixion. We got that? We clear on all that? And so, you have folks who think that nobody should ever wear a cross or a crucifix for those very reasons. Then, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are actually churches that fervently promote that their members constantly be adorned with crosses. And even churches and religious organizations which believe that since Christians did not begin wearing the cross around their necks until after the crucifixion was no longer the primary source of capital punishment, that wearing the cross today is not equivalent to a modern-day person wearing a miniature death symbol, as some critics have suggested. So, as Janet Jackson once famously sang, who's right, who's wrong, what have you done for me? (laughs) Anyway, The facts are that in certain parts of the world, crosses are not only worn as an indication of commitment to the Christian faith, but in certain church faiths, such as in the Oriental Orthodox and the Eastern Orthodox churches, they're also given away as gifts for rituals, such as during baptism and confirmation. And members of these churches are expected to wear baptismal cross necklaces at all times as part of their faith. For example, 
members of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church wear a cross attached to either a chain or a silk cord and tied around their necks at the time of baptism, and the person is expected to wear it at all times. In addition to that, many Christian bishops in other countries of various denominations wear certain crosses as a sign of their order or their ranking in that religion or in that organization. And so some people out there will immediately ask, but doesn't the Bible prohibit wearing crosses? Well, first of all, we need to understand that not every church follows the same version of the Bible, but that's a discussion for another day and another show. But from our standpoint, because that's all we need to be worried about here, and particularly when it comes to properly exegeting sound biblical doctrine, because you know that's what we're about here, deeper in the word, the Old Testament reveals to us that the symbol of the cross was a pagan religious symbol that was popularized by the Babylonians and associated with the pagan god of fertility, Tammuz. And you can see mention of her in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8, verse 14. And that's why in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, verses 29 and 32, God commanded his people to never mix belief in and obedience to him with those of pagan gods. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 29 and 32. The Lord your God will cut off before you the nations you are about to invade and dispossess. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. So God was explicitly telling the Israelites not to worship or honor him in the same way that pagan gods are worshipped. Because we all know how God feels about idolatry. And if you don't know, we encourage you to go back and listen to season two, episode six, which overall is episode 31 of Deeper in the Word, entitled American Idols. No, instead, God directed them to carry their faith in their hands. Look at Deuteronomy chapter six, verse eight. Tie them, them being his commandments given to Moses. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. He was saying, carry my commandments with you everywhere. So the people of God associating the pagan symbol of the cross to God's word was, and still is really, considered sacrilegious and highly sinful. Now, separately from associating it with pagan gods and according to the New Testament, God further cautioned his people against using the cross or any other religious symbols, signs, and figures as depictions of honoring him. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, which says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And perhaps most significantly in this context, God also forbids the wearing or adorning of shiny ornaments in a prideful manner with an intent to draw attention to yourself and or seek admiration from others. And we find that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, which says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. And as y'all know, 
We don't judge people here on Deeper in the Word, nor do we call people out by name, but we do call out behaviors. And when it comes to 1 Peter verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, all I'll say is that anytime you see a rapper wearing a diamond-encrusted cross or a, quote, Jesus piece, which is a depiction of Jesus that got diamonds and rubies and stuff in it, covered in jewels, and yet you hear them rapping about murder or mayhem or overly sexualized lyrics, then just know that that activity and behavior goes exactly against what 1 Peter 3.3 tells us not to do. In other words, if what you say doesn't match up with what you supposedly believe or what you say you believe, then God's going to have a problem with that. I'm just saying, that's God's word, not Red Rob's. The key idea we need to understand here, y'all, is that the main reason that scripture would forbid wearing religious jewelry like a cross or a crucifix or Jesus piece is if the wearer of it used it either A, for idol worship purposes, or B, if the wearer acted like they were consumed with how the jewelry made them look. <coughs> Track rappers, <laughs> athletes, <laughs> actors. <laughs> so again, what's the real answer? The truth is, we may never know. Because while some followers of Christ feel like wearing crosses is a proud expression of their love, respect, and service to Christ, along with the remembrance of what he did for us, others are dead set against it. Thinking that true followers of Christ should be identified by their deeds and their actions, and through actively living a Christ-centered life, and that no real Christian with true reverence for the Bible would feel the need to wear any ornament to display or prove their Christianity. But regardless of which side you're on, here's what we do know for sure. And that's that people should not allow objects such as crosses, crucifixes, figurines, rosaries, bumper stickers, or whatever to take the place of true change that should take place in our hearts. Because while wearing the cross can be viewed as a form of love, as a form of dedication and discipleship, the things that we wear, carry, or put on our cars are not what make us Christians or follower of Christ, followers of Christ. Friends, God is not concerned with what we wear as long as we don't dress in a way that could cause us to stumble in our walk with him and as long as we aren't absorbed with our looks or our possessions. No, honoring and loving God and others through obedience to Christ is what really matters. God searches our hearts to find who is faithful and whether we encourage and show love to others. Therefore, the reality is, it's not for any of us to judge whether wearing religious jewelry is proper or not. Every Christian has to seek God's approval in all he does. So again, if the way you act doesn't match up with what you purport to believe about Christ, God's most likely going to have a problem with that and a problem with you rocking a diamond-crusted uh, cross. And frankly, Maybe it's best if we simply follow the biblical example that's already been set by Jesus's own disciples because their knowledge of and close association with Christ our Lord makes their input in the Bible invaluable. What do you mean by that, Rev? Well, the disciples through their scriptures as found in the New Testament, which is what today's followers of Christ refer to in our day-to-day -day lives, give plenty of instructions in the ways in which followers of Christ should conduct and live their lives. 
And as we read about their lives in the New Testament, there is no mention of them wearing any crosses or crucifixes to represent their belief in and reverence for Christ. So in a real sense, for us today as Christians, the disciples are the first best examples of sound Christian living. And wearing a cross would have probably never crossed their minds, no pun intended. And if it did, they probably wouldn't have done it. Therefore, modern day Christians who are committed to the Christ-like way of life should strictly follow the Bible's instructions and the models already set for us by the disciples. After all, they were with Jesus every day. They should know, right? They were certainly no better than us. Amen. Now, coming up next, we want to clear up some misconceptions about the phrase, quote, take up your cross, including what taking up your cross doesn't mean. And we also want to examine what it does mean, particularly in the context of when Jesus said it. So come back and dive on in to that discussion with us after we come back from the break. What's up, y'all? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church, and it'll take you directly to the live worship session. Now, if you get there a bit early before service is started, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through the chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts during and throughout the service, as well as take notes and follow along in the Bible section we have available. And you can request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we're a virtual church with a real heart for God. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about becoming a member, participating in our giving partnerships, and learning how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store, and on iHeartRadio. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org to send us your questions and comments for the show. And remember, we want you to join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. I don't know what time on the other side of the world. But we invite you to join us as well for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and create a screen nickname so you can chat along with us during the service. Amen. We really have a good time every Tuesday night. You get the word, you get praise and worship, you get an altar call, you get giving, you get the whole church experience in less than an hour. So come out and fellowship with us. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and in that search box, put Benevolent Faith Ministries and you can see all of our videos, including past Bible studies that you can still participate in in your own small groups, as well as all of our online services that we've had on the Tuesday nights. 
And you can see previously aired episodes of our former TV show on the Now Network called Walk in the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries. So go to YouTube and check us out, amen? But today, friends, today's show is entitled Take Up Your Cross. And we're discussing what that actually means. And in our last segment, we talked about the idea of wearing crosses or crucifixes and what the biblical doctrine behind that has to say. Now next, we want to dig deeper into the misconceptions surrounding the phrase, take up your cross, particularly what it doesn't mean when you say that. And we also want to examine what it does mean, especially when we discuss the context behind when Jesus said it. So first, let's do up these misconceptions because let's discuss what taking up your cross doesn't mean, or rather what Jesus didn't mean when he said it. Because believe it or not, many people misconstrue and misapply the phrase to their own lives in the wrong context. Because many people wrongfully interpret cross in that phrase as some burden that they've been assigned to carry in their lives. That could be like a bad relationship or a strained relationship or a job they hate or an illness they're suffering from or a responsibility that they don't want but are forced to deal with. And in situations such as those, those people will be like, well, that's my cross I have to carry. That's the cross I have to bear. And they often do that with a hint of self-pity involved with saying it. But hear me, saints of God, that is not the interpretation that Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me does not mean to be saddled with a personal duty or obligation that you don't want, but somehow accept for whatever reason. Okay, let's get that clear. That's not what that means. So if it doesn't mean that, then what does it mean? Well, when Jesus carried his cross up Golgotha to be crucified, nobody was thinking of the cross as symbolic of a burden to carry. To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only, death by the most excruciatingly painful and humiliating means that any person could endure. Back in the time of Jesus, taking up the cross would have been associated with a shameful death at the hands of the Roman authorities. In those days, the cross was an instrument of death and represented nothing short of dying by being tortured. That's because the Romans would force convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of their crucifixion. And history um, has produced evidence that shows that over 30,000 people were crucified by the Romans during this time frame. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus and the two men who were crucified along with him. And you can read about that in the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 43. So in that way, quote, bearing a cross, unquote, mean, meant that a person was literally carrying their own execution device while at the same time facing ridicule along the way to death. And so in this way, we start to get a much clearer picture of what Jesus actually meant when he uttered this statement over 20 centuries ago. In other words, take up your cross and follow me, follow me means being willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Now, even though this could also mean a literal physical death, more to the point, for us it means dying to self. 
And dying to self is a fundamental aspect of being a Christian or a follower of Christ. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are said to be, quote, born again. Meaning all the old ways we used to live, all the old things about us, those die off. And the new way of living, the new self, comes to life. And we see a description of this in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3, when Jesus tells Nicodemus, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And dying to self is part of being born again. The old self dies and the new self is born. And it's not simply a one-time event either. It's a lifelong process because followers of Christ continue dying to self every day for as long as they live as part of the process of sanctification. It's not a destination, it's a journey. So dying to self is a call to constant and complete surrender. It means that every day we continue to deny ourselves, which means giving up things in our lives that we want to do in order to do the things that God wants us to do in Christ. Every day, that's a constant pursuit. Think of it like this. If somebody dies physically, it's said that they no longer exist. So the essence of death is the absence of life. Therefore, when somebody dies, they cease to exist. Now, let's think about that in terms of the spiritual realm. When somebody spiritually dies to self, it is said that the self ceases to exist. In other words, the self is no longer the reason for one's existence. That means that an individual is no longer concerned with his own will or happiness because he's no longer in the picture. He is, in essence, not the center of his own little universe anymore. And he no longer continues to arrange the world around himself and his own needs and desires any further. The person dies to the self. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about, y'all. And the thing about taking up your cross is that at its core, it's not very appealing. Let's just be real here. It's not. See, we got to understand, when people initially followed Jesus, it's because they thought he was the Messiah. But their view of the Messiah was completely different from the reality of who Jesus was as the Messiah. See, they thought the Messiah would free them from the oppressive rule of their Roman occupiers and that he would usher in the restored kingdom of the Jews to where even his disciples thought this at first as well. And so crowds would always gather around him for this reason. But then Jesus would start teaching the crowds and his disciples that he was going to die at the hands of the Jewish leaders and their Gentile masters and that if they were his followers, they should be ready to die too. And whenever he would do that, he would get less and less popular and the number of people following him would dwindle. Why? Because telling people they will have to die for you and your cause is not a popular sentiment. And it, it's the same way today. When you tell people that they have to take up their cross or rather die to self, you're telling them that they have to kill off their desire to do whatever they want to do. That they have to put to death the things they love for the sake of following Christ. And that, my friends, is why so many people don't follow Jesus. Because they're not ready. Or more specifically, they're not willing 
to kill off or put to death the things that make them happy in order to do the things that instead please the Lord. Denial of the self is a hard proposition for lots of people, y'all. And that's what Jesus meant when he said in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, that quote, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? That is the essence of taking up or bearing one's cross. The idea that discipleship demands sacrifice. And Jesus was clear about this. But really, just imagine how different things would be in the church and in the kingdom of God or how many people would actually respond positively during the altar call when the pastor says, come down to the altar and give the, the, your life to the Lord. How different would that be if instead the pastor said, won't you come to Jesus today? Give him your life right now and potentially face the loss of your friends and your family and your status amongst other people and your occupation and possibly even your life. Imagine the pastor saying that in the church, y'all. Don't you think the number of false converts would decrease? Don't you think that only those serious about being disciple of Christ would be left? They'd be weeded out, so to speak? Well, the church pastors may not be making that call, but that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me. Now, coming up in our last segment, we want to personalize this call to take up our cross. That is, we're going to examine exactly what taking up our cross looks like for us on a daily basis today, as well as continue by asking some tough questions about following Jesus. So come back and help us conclude this discussion after the break. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at mhihomeinspection.com, that's mhihomeinspection.com to learn more, or to set up your home inspection appointment today. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services for all size commercial businesses. Our services also include deep cleaning and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality of services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, y'all. Just go to Facebook and in that search box, put at Benevolent Faith Ministries and like our page to support us and like our posts and everything we got going on. That's how we know that you're out there. And don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. If you can't make the live call, you can call the prayer playback line, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in order to hear what you may have missed. Also, email us 
at info at benevolentfaithministry.org with your prayer requests. We respond to all emails. So we encourage you, if you need prayer, email us. Let us know what you want us to petition the Lord for on your behalf, and we will certainly do that. Amen? But today, y'all, today's episode has been entitled, Take Up Your Cross. And we have been discussing what it truly means to follow Jesus, to deny yourself and die to yourself, and put to death all your own desires and to instead live entirely for Christ. And in our last segment today, we want to briefly highlight what this looks like for us today. Taking up your cross means committing to Christ daily, giving up your hopes, your dreams, your possessions, even your very own life if need be, for his cause and his sake. And we talked in the last segment about how a lot of people don't want to do that. That's why they don't follow Christ, because they're not ready to do that or they're not willing to do that. And you got to be willing. Take the Apostle Paul, for example. When he became a follower of Christ, one of the results was that he became an exile, an outsider among his own people. Paul was beaten, tortured, and persecuted, and eventually he gave his life for the cause of Christ. In fact, all the disciples did except for John. And that was what taking up their cross looked like. And they all rejoiced in it. Paul especially. But what does the idea of taking up your cross mean for and look like for us today? Well, for one thing, Jesus took up the cross out of obedience. He did it humbly, gladly putting God's will and his love for God's people above himself. And that's an example we need to follow simply by also appreciating the act of being obedient to God and choosing to humbly consider others before ourselves. That's part of dying to self. You put other people before yourself. That's what he did. It also means putting to death our tendency to serve sin instead of serving him. Y'all like that? That rhymed. (laughs) Part of living like sin isn't our boss, like sin doesn't rule us is living like God is God. See, it's natural for us, even when we know Christ, to live like God isn't God and to instead do whatever we please. People don't take God serious. He didn't say in his word, do this and I will do that. Do that and I will do that. We're not taking that serious. And we pay a consequence, a price for it. See, that's because sin is pleasurable to mankind. Doing what we want and what makes us feel good is highly satisfying. Giving in to our indulgences, satisfying our sexual appetites, talking to people any old kind of way we want. These are easy for us to do and desirous for us to do. And that's why Jesus urges us to turn from sinful habits and depend on ourselves, which is easy to succumb to, and instead to live our lives solely dependent upon the Lord. Because then, Our desires to do those things will die out. And instead, the will of God within us will take over. I mean, if we're being real here, a lot of what we sacrifice to follow Christ is stuff that we don't need and shouldn't want in the first place. I mean, why do you want to cuss all the time? Every other word is a cuss word. Why should you want that? We don't need that. What does that say about 
your ability to speak properly without having every other word being a cuss word. You don't need to do that. It's not necessary. So it's better to think of it in terms of, I ain't missing much. It's better to think of it in those terms instead. Because you ain't missing much if you ain't doing a whole bunch of cussing. I mean, really. Also, dying to self and to the world further means that we don't find anything in this world worth boasting about. Not our accomplishments, not our possessions, not our reputations, none of that. Ultimately, what taking up your cross meant for Christ and many of his followers was what Paul describes in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, which is this, making God's goal your goal, no matter what the cost is. And as the New Testament writers and the Old Testament patriarchs of the faith demonstrate, there's only one goal worthwhile for Christians, to follow Christ. Fortunately for me and you, the cost of seeking that goal those costs are more likely to be awkwardness or tension in terms of just having conversations about the gospel with unbelievers instead of being persecuted and hung up to die by angry mobs. In other words, we'll get our, our version of quote unquote persecution taking up our cross is we might get ostracized by people we love. We might lose friends or family members. People might talk bad about us. But what they're not going to do is tie us to a pole and put nails through our hands and feet and let us hang there to die. We're not going through that. So the cost that we have is not as great as the cost that he paid and his followers paid back in his day. Saints of God, if we're going to effectively take up our cross and follow Christ, it is imperative that we begin to ask ourselves some very hard and tough questions first. Questions like, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing some of your closest friends? I've actually experienced that. Real talk. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? I've actually experienced that. Seriously. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means the loss of your reputation? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your job? You know, people get fired for witnessing on the job. That's a, it, maybe not in America, but in a lot of countries, people share the gospel of Christ and they'll get fired. You willing to follow Jesus if it means that? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your life? Praise God, we don't have to go through that in this country, America, but there are countries right now where going to church can get you killed. And you'd be like, come on, man, it's the 21st century. That ain't true. It is true. It is a fact. Look it up. That is still happening in the world, y'all. Even in 2021, there are places in the world where all of these consequences are very much still a reality. But notice the questions that I just asked. Notice how they're phrased. What's, what do those questions start off with? Are you willing? In other words, Taking up your cross and following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean all these things will happen to you. But if there comes a point in your life where you're faced with a choice to either choose Jesus or to choose the comforts of this life, which you, what, what you going to choose? Are you willing to take up your cross? Listen, thanks for joining us, y'all. 
Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store, and on iHeartRadio. Also, don't forget you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need for any building. And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church. We'll catch y'all next time. Holla. Holla.